and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And we've been very fortunate recently that we've received uh, an email. We've received uh, some communications uh, from people that are listening. So thank you to those people. But we've received a specific email from Alexander Gold that asked us around why decisions were made around where both Simon and I have started investing, why we picked on the location, why the strategies, that kind of thing. So both Simon and I thought, well, what better way to kick off the year really by going through those things and talking through our rationale about why we made the decisions we made. So obviously, Simon, we've got differing strategies, which I think from my perspective makes this a bit more interesting as well, because we've got different takes on why we do what we do. But before we get into locations and everything else, I guess it would be remiss of us not to talk about why we both ended up doing property. So with you, why did you decide to purchase a property? I think for those people that are listening, we will know a little bit about the wider Piffer story. But maybe just for those newer listeners, talk about what got you into property and and why property for you. We we did do some... Uh, sort of backstory episodes uh, a long time ago so I will I will mention them here as an excuse to link to them in the show notes so if people want the, the wider backstory from from both both of us then then they can can have a look in the show notes and go go back and listen to those those episodes for me though property has been a an interest for for a long long time it's I, I like looking at properties I like looking around properties I like imagining what be done to, to properties to improve them and and potentially even sort of create them if you like I, i'm not uh, i i don't have the time to put into the, the the property process at the moment to to really go from the from the beginning to actually build and create but but maybe one day so for me it's really a, an interest in property and the the added bonus on top of that of being able to to make some money and, and make an income and uh, and investment revenue from that, so it's I sort of felt as I was sort of uh, a, a young adult um, and moving into to work and things, I sort of felt that I would always get into property. It's, it's just something I wanted to do. It wasn't really it, well, it definitely wasn't my career and still isn't my um, sort of sole career. I've been in in sort of technology and software a lot more but it is something that I just always wanted to do and just always assumed I, I would do sort of as a uh, as part of well part of my life really I guess so how about you Stuart yours was was a, a bit later in life I think wasn't it that you you decided to to set to set your sights on property yeah much later I would say late 30s uh, and beyond and Mine's probably a, a much more mercenary tale than than yours. And essentially, when I was looking for additional shrug replacement streams of income, i.e. what could replace my you know, uh, annual salary, it was looking at a number of different things. And my journey was looking at franchises, looking at other businesses, and getting to the stage where I realized that for a franchise, for example, when I looked at retail, things I was interested in, I realized that it would probably be 
longer hours, more days than I was currently working. And as a lot of us do, started looking into property. And for better or for worse, there is a lot of information about property investing on the web. And you, you learn to, I guess, filter a lot of it as you as you develop. But as we discussed previously, I landed on property for a couple of reasons. Number one is the fact that the asset is more likely going to be an appreciating asset, i.e. hopefully worth more than you pay for it at the at the end of the term, if you're thinking long term. And, and the ability to generate cash flow. We talk a lot about passive income in, in property. I, I, for one, think there has to be a huge caveat with passive income because I think it takes a lot of effort to get this passive income. A, a real lot of effort um, but that's that's why I ended up on it so essentially it was really about how could I create an additional income stream and eventually a replacement income stream which would keep providing for me and and property was the one that really I liked I think just providing people another view on other things I've looked at and have invested in stocks and shares something I I would do but for me again they're very long term and a little bit like you I, I think I quite like the the tangible nature of property, the fact that we can go in and, as as listeners will know, you know, I've just done a property recently, which which is very design led. But the fact that we can go in and touch the walls and make changes to it versus stocks and shares, where it's it's a little bit sort of intangible to me, unless it's a business I really know well, like you know, if it is an Apple or a blue chip company. So yeah, they're they're my key reasons. Yeah, I think if uh, if you look at it just from an asset class, sort of point of view a, a mercenary point of view as you mentioned it does have that benefit of being physical it's i mean people will always need somewhere to live and if you're buying freehold particularly as well you also you get a bit of land it's they're, they're not making any more land so you well, actually in some places they are but, but anyway um generally speaking they're not making any more land so once you've you've got that asset it's it's a fixed physical tangible asset that isn't going anywhere and is secure whereas as you say stocks and shares are really very much mm, imaginary maybe maybe that's going a bit too far but they they don't have that that real link to the real world so i i think that's a real benefit to, to property mm. as a as an investment class but and as we're talking about it i, I can also hear alternative arguments obviously i, I read a fair amount now in, in relation to investments and and I can also hear people saying yeah but once you've got a property you've got all of the costs associated with that versus buying into a, a company um and and I was reading recently of of um some stocks that were picked last year that were worth you know four times as much and I'm sure there's there's greater prizes to be had out there so there there will be arguments but I think our rationale and people that listen to this show will will probably sign up to the fact that the, the tangible nature and the fact that it's something we feel like we can do something about or change helps us a lot as part of a, a portfolio. Yeah, exactly. The as you say, if you if you've bought into a company in stocks and shares, yes, you don't have the maintenance, but then you also don't have the control that that comes with with property and having the responsibility to maintain it and look after it. So it's yeah, swings and roundabouts perhaps on on that area because they obviously the maintenance has a cost and a responsibility as well but i suppose people could look at getting into property funds and things like that if they wanted to 
invest in an asset class that has that sort of physical backing, mm. but that they don't personally have the responsibility for, for looking after it. Have you looked at that at all? Well, I think you've probably, for me, you've just touched on one of the key things around why people might not like property as much as we do is the 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 posh term for it is illiquid nature of it. But it just means that it, it's not so easy to get your money out of the, the building, which I can certainly attest to. And that's probably one of the things is that if if you yourself are buying into the property, other than the refinancing element of it, it it's going to take time to get your money out. I mean, we, we're talking as as some people might know. I'm trying to sell uh, three properties right now, so the money that I want out of those properties is we've we've been waiting a few months, and we're going to wait probably several more before we see that cash. Versus the property funds you've talked about. I think there will be criteria around having to wait a certain amount of time, but you can probably have more of a say in when you get your money out. And of course, if you're just buying shares, you you can do that on a minute by minute, hourly basis, should you wish. Although you've got to have someone who'll buy them off you. There there are a thousand and one, I'm sure, different property sort of investment options, if you like, um, if, if we're, as opposed to actually buying the, the physical property, I mean. So sort of investment vehicles and things, you can buy them through pension type funds, but they're also crowdfunded and that type of platform. And there's one platform that I'm familiar with and have invested a tiny amount with just to experiment with. This is a long time ago and I can't actually remember what it's called, but I'll try and remember and look it up and put it in the show notes. But having put, put some money into this investment fund process, whatever it was, I, I gained a few shares of a particular property that's in their portfolio. And I can now go onto their platform and I can offer those shares up for sale at a certain price. And I can also see if there are people already offering for shares in that particular property at, at various prices. But if we don't meet in the middle, if I want more than there is anybody willing to, to pay for those shares, then I can't sell them. They so well, while the money might be more liquid than actually owning a property, it's still not not totally liquid. You've still got to have someone willing to to pay you for it to to be able to sell it. Mm. And and I assume really that works for all shares, doesn't it? Um, it's just that most shares in big companies or even smaller companies that are traded on on open markets, it, the assumption is there will always be someone to buy it. Yeah, at the right price. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It, it, it requires going to the, the price that the market is offering rather than necessarily the price you want. So, hmm. Yes, I, I, I don't know. So we, when we actually invest in property, there's lots of different ways you, you can invest in property. But I suppose perhaps just as, as a starter, would you recommend that somebody should get into to property as a, a get-rich-quick process, do you, do you think? I think you and I are, are very much aligned on this, and, and the short answer to that is absolutely not. It's, it's not get-rich-quick, and we've touched on it there. If you're looking to cash out and, you, and you're in property, it's, it's going to take time. So therefore, to accrue that cash itself will take time. And I've been a landlord for a landlord for over... Yeah, 13 years and 
had a property business for well over sort of four years now. And I, I must admit, naively, when I first started the business, I thought we could build significant incomes. And, I, and it's not to say that you can't, depending on your level of funds that you're going in with. But typically, I would say it it's going to take time because that is the nature of the sector, property sector. Property takes time. Purchasing property takes time. Developing property takes time. And therefore, making money takes time. And of course, there's going to be people that talk about strategies, flipping, rent to rent, other very or much shorter timescale, let's say strategies. I'm not a big fan of that, that word in this sense, but strategies like that. But having done all of those myself, I can say that they all take time and they, they all take longer than, than you think. So I think if anyone's thinking I can replace my salary unless you've got a really small salary and and, and that would be great unless you're trying to re- replace a few grand a year or 10 grand a year or on the other side of the fence you've got significant amounts of capital in which case you're, you're probably looking at alternatives anyway then I think it's it's going to take a bit of time what what that time scale will be will depend on what your strategy is what what terms of um, property investment criteria you're going to set if you're looking at property as a a wealth creation or an investment vehicle it's not sensible to to be looking at it as a, a get rich quick you're not going to start investing and be a well i was gonna say be a millionaire but if you're starting small you probably wouldn't expect that straight away but anyway it, you're not going to see the returns very quickly you're going to need to be working on the the investment and the process for at least months probably years before you actually see sort of decent returns from it unless you're going in with a lot of capital to get started on and even then it it takes some time just to buy properties and to get processes up and running and get tenants and whatever else so even if you've got the the benefit of capital to make your investments larger to start with it's still going to take some time so it's, it's definitely not get rich quick so my experience and i don't mind being you know, a bit more transparent about this so i, I did I, I got funding i got investors and i i can say comfortably we created a multi-million pounds portfolio or multi might not be quite right but it's it's, it's more than a couple in terms of total portfolio assets if i was saying a course that's a great line to have but a lot of that is mortgaged because we are highly leveraged and a lot of that cost a lot of money to redevelop so in in my mind although we were moving quite quickly and we did move quite quickly it it was it took significant funds to do that and of course when you're borrowing from the bank that costs money if you're using investor capital that costs money if you've got your own money okay that's fine but you've still got to spend it one of the truest lines I ever heard, and I think about almost daily, is that you will never have enough money in property. And I found that so, I mean, it's just one of those things, it's so true, it, it makes me smile, but wryly, because I, I don't think it matters whether you've got 10 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand or 500, that can disappear very, very quickly in property. And what you, you and I can both get on soapboxes on certain subjects. One of mine will be 
aligned to the cash out. Now, I try and do that on every development, of course, because who wouldn't want to have all of one's cash back out of an investment and say that that is now generating the income? I've bought close to 10 properties in the last couple of years, and we got close to cashing out on a couple. In fact, in fact, one valued up so that we would actually come away with more money than we put in. But the bank, seeing the, the margin of, of what we bought it for and, and what it was then valued at, so we bought at 540, it was then valued at 735, and we didn't spend that much money on it. They then wanted to de-risk it. So they said, okay, well, we're not going to give you 70% loan to value. We're going to limit your loan to this amount, which, which meant we kept money in. So the, the point I'm making here is that, yes, it's great to have cash out. But my experience as well is that once we got hell bent on trying to do that, we probably made decisions which we shouldn't have made. We should have just made dis- better decisions for the long term. And just a final point while I'm, while I'm on this little soapbox is that that strategy that you've talked about in terms of you know being get rich quick, I think when we get too short termist, and when I say we, me, when I've been very short termist on this, I've made worse decisions than I would have done had I started thinking about it as more of a longer term play. And when I say longer term, I'm thinking three to five years. So I think uh, for me, that is one of my biggest learnings since I've started the business is actually instead of making decisions for the short term, I now make them for the long term. So for example, the property that we just developed and spent over 50k on, which I already owned, I bought that in 2015, but was becoming dilapidated because we didn't spend enough on it. I said, okay, I'm going to spend some money on it. We can get it revalued and we'll probably get we'll probably get 90% of those refurb costs out, but I'm not spending the money for that. I'm spending it to protect the income for the next five years and to protect the occupancy which is a very different decision to how can I develop, refurb this property for as cheaply as possible to get as much money out as possible so that I can say it's a cash out and it's a full investment. And so that's changed some of that thinking. So just wanted to share some of my experience around that because I have fallen into that trap. So feel sort of able to talk about that. Yeah, I think it's very important, important experience to share. It's uh, very useful. So if properties not get rich quick, it probably is a good way to build long-term wealth. It, it can do other things as well, but the hope is that as part of the parcel, you would get capital appreciation over time, and that can can gradually increase your wealth. This varies quite significantly with location, though. And we we don't have time to to veer into location too heavily today. Because <laughs> um, I've got another soapbox for that as well. But. <laughs> okay, definitely definitely save that one for for next week, or, or maybe the week after. We've we've still got lots of notes to get through. However, if if you can invest in the the right place where there is capital appreciation, property is an excellent way to build long term wealth. Property rarely goes down in val- in value, e- even in areas that don't grow as quickly. It's still fairly rare for it to actually go down in value, except in sort of specific periods of economic turmoil, and then it generally recovers again. Uh, so it's it's a good way to to build value, and it's a good way to normally build value faster than inflation. Can I just make a point on that one, Simon? Because yeah, please do. 
when I started out my investing, I, 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 I was quite bullish on that as well. And I think very single tracked and single focused in that the, 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 the current thinking is typically that property values double every 10 years, roughly, give or take, if, if we look at it. And, uh, and, it, and, and typically it has done. And I kind of, again, went hell bent into my investing, thinking that that was the case. My sort of watch out on this is that now when I'm investing, I don't expect that to happen. It's not a, it's not a given. Whilst we can look at the last at least 60 years of history and, and we can see that trend is always upwards, my learning is the investment itself should stand on its own two feet. So if it didn't increase in value, would I be happy with the investment? We, we, we force value, so we add value into properties. So that's the only thing because, uh, again, I think my safety net was, oh, well, it'll be fine because if I make a couple of mistakes, this property is going to be worth double. And that varies on region because it has for my property in southwest London. It won't for the properties in southwest UK. Some will be slower, some will be quicker, depending on region. So the only caveat I'm adding to that is just don't expect that. It's, it's going to be a nice thing that happens, but don't factor that into investment criteria. Yeah, I completely agree. I, where I was, was heading with this, this long-term wealth growth thing <laughs> that, <laughs> that I'd started with um, was, was really that while that is generally what happens and generally, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's generally what happens. It, it, it at least sticks with inflation normally just beats inflation in certain areas it significantly beats inflation historically speaking and that's a great perk to mm. property investing but personally i don't think it should be the core of property investing because you as you've quite rightly said it's historically been that way that doesn't actually necessarily mean going forwards it will be and you've got the complexity of location which we'll, we'll talk about um, another week but there's depending on how you play the location card and choice and whatever you may not be your, your investment patch just may not have that characteristic of, of beating inflation or at least not significantly beating it so while it's probably well property is probably a safe store of wealth and may well beat it uh, so it may, may well grow it well in the long term I wouldn't recommend relying on that. And I, I know some people do. Some people invest specifically as uh, or for capital appreciation. And, and as you said, I think that's, that's a little bit, bit risky. I think every deal, as you say, should really stand up on its own. So it should, it should produce ongoing cash flow revenue without, without the need to, to fall back on, on the capital appreciation. Yeah. One perhaps sort of caveat I should put in here is I'm not talking about flip projects, which is where you, as you said, sort of you force an increase in value to the property and then sell it on based on that that capital appreciation. I'm, I'm not really talking about that. I am only really talking about the, the natural long-term capital appreciation. Because, of course, investing in flip projects is a, a another very specific type of investment and, and approach and that does effectively produce a, a shorter term and, and specific revenue 
assuming assuming they go according to plan <laughs> yeah so w- one question i just had for you because because our, our approaches are quite different so i, I would consider my approaches more relatively speaking more short term than yours just because i'm looking for quicker cash flow although that's still a main criteria of yours obviously is is cash flow but when you're thinking about your outcomes your expected outcomes when you go into investment what what are you thinking about i the, i might be thinking about a number of different things depending on what i'm expecting to do with the property in this relatively short term so I might be looking for a property that I'm going to refurbish and increase in value in the relative short term. And that might be slightly different to to if I'm buying a property, for example, that's already got a a tenant in it, which I know is going to be producing revenue from from day one. However, I've I've never yet gone into a, a property purchase expecting to refurb and refinance so i've i've never planned to to do it on on that shorter time scale i have bought properties that i've held for a couple of years the, the sort of standard fixed term period and then refinanced and taken money out of that that property again or taken further money out of that property to then roll again into to a new property but it, it's always been on that longer term longer time period so in the short term I'm definitely looking for, for rental revenue that produces profit above ongoing expenses. And and my key calculation for that is really return on investment, ROI. So I look at them, all of the money that I put into a deal and all of the money that, all of the profit that it's going to produce for me. So rental revenue minus expenses. And, and that's really the, the, the key measure that I go with. Yeah. And you're, as far as you're concerned, you're, you're, you think about holding those for anywhere from sort of five to 10 years plus? Yeah, my, my assumption going into property purchase is not, not to think about the sale. <laughs> um, the, the intention is just, just to hold. I don't go in thinking that I'll hold this for five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or 30 years. It's just buy and hold forever um, is the the sort of starting assumption. And, mm. and of course, that may not remain the case. Um, as case in point, I've recently sold a property. So if if things move around and it it works out better that property should be sold, then, then I will. But going into a deal, the expectation from me, the assumption is that it will just, I will just hold it forever. Yeah, I think that's very different from your approach, isn't it, Stuart? You, you have much more of a exit plan in place from the beginning, don't you? Well, in terms of the the buy and hold, I mean that is very much my approach. So we never intend to sell properties, but equally mm-hmm. when when we need to, so we we look at. Um, I would say 90% of what we do is about buy and hold. So the properties we buy, I don't intend to sell those for at least 10 years. And that's how I look at it. It's like it's going to be a 10-year property. That might change where if we need to release capital, so I'm looking at selling a one of our um, co-living HMO properties at the moment purely just because there's quite a lot of capital in it if if we sell it for the amount we want to. And that would just ease some of our sort of cash flow concerns at the moment and 
the, the the big difference versus what you've just talked about is that when we buy, we do look at refurbing and refinancing typically within months of purchasing a property. Yeah, somewhere already on the, I guess, the second set of further borrowing. And that doesn't come without challenges. And, you know, I just, I just add that because once again, if you're looking at courses and everything else, it's BRR, buy, refurbish, refinance. It all sounds wonderful. But it costs money. It um, erodes cash flow. So look needs to be looked at and, and modelled. It, it can all be done. But so, so that, that's what we do. We, we tend to buy a property. Um, typically, the, the refurbish will just about be covered by the sort of refinance. But, you know, the downside to that is the additional borrowing will eat into the, um, into the cash flow. That's, that's the difference. Yeah. On, on the uh, modelling point. It would be remiss of me not to mention that Patma has, has very recently added a, a BRRR calculator <laughs> to its uh, to, to the suite that it offers there. So if you're thinking about doing that kind of deal, the, the buy refurbish and refinance deal, then you can have a look at Patma. You can sign up for for free and try it out, and it'll it'll model it all out for you. So you can put in what you're what you're buying it for, and assuming you're going to buy on a bridge so you can refinance fairly quickly so it works out all the the bridging finance costs putting your refurb costs and ongoing maintenance during that process of council tax and whatever else and then what you expect to to rent it for in the end um and refinance it for of course um onto a, a more standard mortgage i'll do all those calculations for you and uh, tell you what you'll get out of the end of it or not as the case may be well i'll definitely look using that for my next uh, next development yeah, it's uh, it's so hot off the press. You you haven't even had a chance to look at that, Stuart. But uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll make sure you you can uh, access that later on. <laughs> Very good. We are over time again as normal. <laughs> so, so, so shall we finish up here? Even though we've still got a few few more notes, um, and uh, and roll them over to the next week. Yes, definitely. Well, hope everyone's gotten some value from that and once again like alexander gold if you have any questions or you're thinking about doing anything in property do feel free to contact us you can contact us via the business of property.com be a contact page there and all of the notes and links that we've spoken about will be on the show notes page at the same location the business and we'll see you on the next episode